Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. podcast is brought to you by Das Bootleg. Das Bootleg has some really cool uh, theme shirts, 80s, sports, uh, music, all kinds of cool shirts. And if you guys want to help the podcast out, go to www.dosbootleg13.com forward slash discount forward slash cast and crank. Hope you guys like this episode. Go check out Das Bootleg for us and help support the podcast. Thanks. All right, guys. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Um, we have Ben Seacrest. Hello. And we have Justin McTeer. What's up? And we have a special guest. Very special. Gary Rez. Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Gary. I'm ben Security. There you go. Yep. We had the security guard come on. He's on this time to uh, back up anything Ben says, you know? So, <laughs> um, this Ben's been a super cool guy, and we're super stoked to get him on because uh, the way I met Ben was at performance. And he just started talking to me and like super of all the people I've met, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the fishing industry. Oh, thank man. you very much. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on, but you came off like as a real humble dude, man. And it's a cool thing to see from a uh, uh, angler, you know? No, no, thank you. And I think it's, um, I don't know. My dad was always pretty humble. And I think when I was younger, I may not have been so humble, but you know what? I think what happens in your head, if you know that you've accomplished what you want to accomplish that you set out, you don't need to tell anybody else. Yep. You already know, right? Yep. So you get Exactly. So the first thing we like to talk about is how you got into fishing. Well, my dad was like diehard, and his was, name was Ben Sr. And um, probably I started fishing when I was like three or four years old. I grew up in Redondo. Mm-hmm. My dad had me bass fishing at Canyon Lake, and then I... I graduated in the yellowtail, not, I'm going to say yellowtail, I'm going to say a barracuda and bonita in Redondo Harbor, mm-hmm. and then went to the bubble hole for yellows, and the rest is history. I just uh, continued fishing. I bought a 13-foot Valco and would launch that with Greg Stotesbury out of Redondo, run up to Rocky Point and catch whatever we could catch <laughs> at 15 years old or whatever it was, and then... Yeah. My life just continued to move on from there, but I was really into largemouth bass fishing because it was elusive and they were very difficult to find in different places. And then I actually walked right into the big fish deal that was going on at Casitas and Castaic and was fortunate enough to live through that and watch that stuff. And I netted a few big ones for Danny Cadota and a couple of other guys and Stoats and so I understand that uh, I was really understanding that those fish were really into what they're doing. And there was a guy named Jim Mason up at Casitas that was fishing swim baits that no one knew about. And I got my hands on some of his stuff and started fishing swim baits probably in the late 70s. How old were you at this time? Uh, 19, okay. 18, 19. Caught uh-huh. some of my first um, swim bait fish. Uh, large mouse, which I'd never even caught a calico on wow. one yet. Yeah. And then um, I got out of college, went to Chico State, got out of college, moved to uh, Costa Mesa, and that's when all the calico bass things started in like the mid, mid-80s, mid and mm-hmm. that's mid to like 1990s is where we really put a hurt on them and understood a lot, and it was fun. 
a lot of math, doing all the research. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't one thing. Is the best thing that happened to me is I worked for Milt Shedd that started uh, AFCO. And I worked for his son, Billy, and he was uh, instrumental in starting SeaWorld. So mm-hmm. I worked for a man that purely loved fishing for no reason, just to love it. Yeah. And he taught me a lot of good ethics and a lot of just uh, things to look for. And without his guidance, without Milt Shedd's guidance and my father's guidance, I wouldn't be the man I am today. That's amazing. Yeah. So those two men were instrumental <laughs> in me to see how, you know, how cool of a life is sitting there. Yeah, definitely. You know, so on the uh, freshwater part of it, um, seeing that part where the the big baits came in, the big swim baits. Can we talk yeah. a little more about that? Sure. Just because there's not many people that got to see that. Yeah, I mean, it, on. it was funny because I used to be really good friends with um, uh, I won't say his name, but I was <laughs> um, in there at the beginning of all swim baits. I'm going to put that. <laughs> Marv Benelin is the one that really caught our attention with the big, big swim baits because he was doing it in like the late 70s and the 80s. He had these baits called dinosaurs, and I think that's who was pouring Mason's baits at the time, and mm-hmm. he was like one of the first guys I ever heard of fishing stuff like that. And when I talk about big swim baits, they were 8 inches up to like, you know, 10s. So that what we had to do is we, we made extended hooks – for the lead heads and it was um owner at the time was just becoming in just becoming into this like getting into this market here and they had a extended hook that they'd use it was super sharp and we'd pour our own um swim bait heads and on the longer ones we would take an haywire twist single haywire twist single strand to a treble and then stick it in the tail <laughs> and that was our stinger hooks right and a lot of fish you'd catch that way but yeah the thing about it is you wouldn't lose that many fish fishing. You lost them in the trees trying to get the bite. So oh, okay, it was the fish were always in the trees and stuff. So it was pretty crazy. What kind of reel were you using then in Rod? Oh, geez. Ambassador 5500 and 6500. And uh, it started with a K, but they made uh, they made tennis rackets too. And they were down in um, San Diego. I can't think of it. But we used a lot of that. Back in that time, we were using um, a lot of saltwater rods too, 196.7s, you know, stuff like that. Because there was a lot of, if you weren't throwing a swim bait, a big swim bait, you were throwing a crawdad. Mm-hmm. There was no, it was either swim baits or crawdads. You're fishing for big fish. That's the way we did it. Yeah, that's so awesome. So it was, it was, um, and the swim baits, honestly, the swim baits were backseat to the crawdads because the fish would slurp the crawdads. <laughs> so that was all done on maxima, pretty much maxima line, starting with 8-pound to 12-pound or so. And then, you know, back then it was pretty much owner hooks and everything else back then, too. It was good stuff. Awesome. And then uh, how does that translate to the calico? Like, I'm sure some of the crossover there. Well, the calico bass stuff was amazing because... Um, I, I grew up with Greg Stotesbury. He was uh, my best bro. We surfed and we surfed one day and fished another, and we surfed every day pretty much. Uh-huh. And then um, he really got me pushing on that. So when I got my job at AFCO, I got it from Greg. Greg called me, and I was up at Chico State, and he said, "Hey, there's a guy here. He's looking for a sales guy." I told him you were here. You know, I'll be the sales manager. Going to be the sales guy. I said, "No problem." So I came down and started. And what him and I were doing was we were fishing bay bass tournaments and the guys that were doing there was all sorts of vic cutter from fenwick would have bay bass tournaments which no one knew about Mm -hmm. and then that was before aba even had any bay bass tournaments and um we started doing that and it was cool it was fun and then one day just like dude let's go outside and we had 12 pound on little on little rickety like you know freshwater deals and we started going out and throwing 12 pound at these calcos (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we started learning that, hey, there's something else out here. Yeah. So we kept our mouth shut, and we started fishing calicos because we got off of work at 3.30 every day at AFCO, which was in Irvine, and we'd drive down. And I had a, at that point, I had a 1510 Gregor, and it was Gregor Baja, and I had put a, I had literally tore it apart with stoats. Him and I were known to tore, tear things, boats <laughs> apart and rebuild them, so we put a troll motor on it and whatever, and. We got out there and used that thing, and that was like the beginning for us of maybe five years of a lifetime that was just incredible. No one fished it but us. Yeah. You could go down the beach, and you know each session you'd catch a six, seven, or eight pounder. That's wild, And we man. started actually making diaries of what we were doing, and we were measuring all of them with um, chatillion scales. Wow. You know, and it yeah. was... 
It was fishing where there was no one else. And if we saw another boat, it just it wasn't just didn't happen. Yeah. You know, wow, that's crazy. And then we did that for a certain amount of time. And then we got into fishing. It was way beyond that. Like it was probably years and years past it. But then I got a skiff, a 206. I think it was a 206 Kingcraft. And I used to go to Clemente and there was no one there. Jeez. And the fishing was wide open. So, did they have uh, uh, boundaries then? There's nothing, bro. Fuck. It was whatever you wanted to do. Your boundary was as long as you wanted to fish it, as many as you wanted to catch. Yeah. And hundred fish days on the beach were that was a common occurrence. That's wild. You know, it was yeah. like it was open. On, it was open, and the big fish were they were big. What were you using then? When we were catching big fish. I went from fishing um, uh, worm kings. I started fishing uh, fish traps, mm-hmm. and I was fishing back then uh, pretty. Pretty commonly, I was fishing eight inches, eight, nine inch um, fish traps, some sevens sometimes. And then you'd stick to the regular colors, like something that looks like a mackerel mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, actually 9X1 was very popular by Worm King. And then it became more, it became very popular with all of them, which was a, a gold white belly. We used to catch shit on, on that, margarita fish. And he even made um Worm King made a flying fish that had wings on it. And we used to throw that thing, and that thing would catch some big fish, too. Fuck, that's awesome. <clears throat> and then uh, you had mono then, right? It was all strictly mono. 15-pound uh, Maxima, 17-pound Maxima. We never used 20. I don't know why, but if you're using 17-pound Maxima, it's like <laughs> using 25-something else. So we would land them, but there were some of those fish that would just totally, you know... Ruin us. That's wild, dude. No, it was good stuff. It was fun back then. And then um, I think with the calico bass fishing, it was, it was, they had the first calico classic. And I, I don't even remember when that was like mid 90s or maybe 97, 98. I don't know what it was. And the guys that we were, it was like they got 44 boats and each, and each team paid at least five or 600 bucks. And, um, it was the bait guys pretty much against the artificial. So the bait guys were constantly, we're going to kick your butt or whatever. And we went out and we put, we put it huh? Yeah, we did pretty good. Yeah. So it was fun. That's fun, man. Yeah. So then uh, as you got older, you were working, how long did you work at AFCO for? Uh, 13 years. And oh, then I wow. went to Shimano and I worked there for like five or six years. Then I went to Accurate and worked there for 13 more years. And, wow. um, what happened is during the time frame I was fishing for Calcos during the other season, I was fishing for whatever. And I was very fortunate to meet Carl Kogler, who was a master marlin fisherman. And I caught many, many marlin with Carl Kogler over like five years. Mm. And then was very, very fortunate with him to catch a 300-pound swordfish. So, Damn. you know, and I think the the thing I could say with that is up coming up to that swordfish deal there was at that point in time in this bite there was no big fish so what we did is we would fish for we would go calico fishing one day and then we'd go offshore and go fish for makos whatever yeah and then we figured out thresher shark fishing and the thresher sharks taught us a lot about big game fishing especially with downriggers and everything else how to pull on bigger fish and you know, it was sad that a lot of them died. Like, I don't even fish for them anymore now. Like, yeah. it's, it's, I don't think anybody does. But it was uh, it was a learning experience. The learning curve of fishing. Yeah. You know? That's, that's awesome. That's how you learn. And then with AFCO as an international company, I got to travel all over the world. And it, it was really cool. And then it continued. So, you know, I went to Australia a whole bunch. And I went wow. to New Zealand a whole bunch. Did you get to catch any peacock bass? Yeah, I've been to Amazon. I've caught peacocks. The best peacock bass fishing I know is in Florida. Yeah. You know, it's really good there, but they just don't have big ones. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, peacock bass fishing is, it's really cool. You go to, you know, you go over to Brazil and you're going to catch pyaras and you're going to catch all different types of stuff. But the one thing that's pretty cool is that there's a lot of places in in the world, mm-hmm. like like if you go to um, Thailand, I can you can catch a piara, you can catch a peacock. You catch wow. every different type of catfish there is because they have like a surf, like people have surf pools. Well, they have ponds all over the place. Yeah. And in, awesome. in Thailand, we've traveled Thailand exclusively, you know, extensively. Let me put it that way and caught all sorts of stuff. Damn. I'm talking about fish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> so before uh, the calico bass scene got bigger, uh, do you remember your first tournament you kind of like 
uh, got really serious. Yeah. Uh, like, and what were those names of those, like... There's a West, about West, the, Western Outdoor News would have lots of tournaments. Um, we had the Calico Classic tournaments. Um, I did fish SWBA, I think, one or two seasons with my buddy Al, and we finished in... I think we finished like 13th or 12th the first season, and mm-hmm. the thing that started getting me... Um, getting to me because I was working with a real job. I wasn't working at AFCO. Yeah. And I had to go. When I was at AFCO, I could fish every day. Well, I couldn't fish every day when I was at Shimano. So if you don't have pre-fishing, you go out there and get your butt kicked all the time. And I think one of the – I think it was good for the industry. We did this um, video, and it was – it was a swim bait video. It was inshore fishing. Me and Greg did it. And what we did is we opened up Pandora's box and told people how to fish swim baits. And that <laughs> hurt us big time. It got everybody in there and everybody started understanding it more. And, you know, and it's the other thing is and like. this was YouTube time? You oh, YouTube. there was no YouTube then. It this was is just a, a video on the website. This is, no, this is a, VHS. This baby. is VHS. VHS. Oh, this is your video. Yeah. Right? Yeah. VHS a long time ago. And then. Inside sport fishing, right? Yeah. Started. And then you have the video you actually, your video that you made, right? That's it. That's no, the video, That's right? the video. And you can't get that anywhere? Oh, uh, no. I have some at home still. Really? I have like a box at home. If someone wants me, all you do is you go benfish45 at gmail.com and Great. you can get one. But that whole thing of giving up your secrets, you learn a lot by <laughs> what you do, by stuff like that. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of, we, we like to teach people, but that was pretty much giving away all the money that we ever won. And then the other thing is um, I started writing, I guess, late 80s. And I, I don't know. I've written probably 50 articles in different magazines. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot about calico bass fishing. And that didn't help me either, you know. Yeah. So you're trying to help people. But in sense, if you fish tournaments, that's why I don't fish tournaments. You basically just flush your funds, you know. See, it's cool to hear your side uh, because you kind, of, you kind of like are both sides of the story like – Kind of a locals only kind of thing. Like, right. Like, if you come down here and try it, cool. But I'm not going to blast it anyway. Yeah. But you're helpful at the same time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? No, no. We so did. It's kind of like a cool, uh, different aspect of fishing. I learned a lot about trying to teach people how to fish, like doing seminars, writing articles, doing videos. We did lots of television shows. And you do that stuff, and it's cool to some extent. But then when fishing took off, it got a lot more crowded in the inshore scene, and the tournaments really pushed and blazed. And when do you think that started? Late nineties, uh, early two thousand, something like that. Yeah, it started yeah. to get popular. It and... started to get really popular, and I sort of like backseated it. I just got away from it, so I didn't have to deal with it anymore. And I don't know. Did it was... turn you off a little bit? Yeah, I Did... turned myself off by thinking that people wouldn't listen, and they all listened. Yeah. You know, but that was cool. It was one of those things where I Learned. think it's really important to push forward and promote the sport. But with that Calico Bass deal, it's a limited fishery. So how many boats can it support? Do you yeah, know what I, I mean? Do. Yeah, definitely. So it started to get to me that way. <laughs> what kind of boat do you have now? I have a 18-foot Klamath center console with the troll motor on it that I take the troll motor on and off and I use that thing for everything. I was taking it way out a couple of years ago and, and smash and decent fish and be decent bluefins on it. That's awesome. I like uh, checking your Instagram out because you're uh, of a lot of the, I mean, legends, you're open to new ideas and that's super cool. Yeah. You don't ever uh, just, you know, pigeonhole yourself into a certain thing. No. Uh, you, you try everything and you say, hey, if I can see something new that might work, I'll try it. Yeah. You know, no, that's, for sure. That's super cool. For sure. And the one thing, and, and one thing I got to say is I love, I love it. Like he calls me OG and I, lo- I like you guys saying that, but legends are dead and I'm not dead and I love the OG. And, but again, I was one of the first ones. It's cool, but it's like one of those things that it sort of hits me because there's so many other people like Jack soul was yeah. easily out there the same way. And there's a lot of other people that deserve, you know, equal for sure. But, um, I just watch, I've been watching with fishing forever and ever and watching some, it all of a sudden it became a cool sport, you know, like surfing and everybody was real cool on it and pushing real hard on it and having a good time with it. But what just like surfing is people couldn't let their egos just rest and they started getting their egos into it. And Hey, I'm not going to say I didn't have mine in there for a while, but you lose 
the pure essence of what you're trying to do, and that's trying to enjoy a thing that's like natural. It's a good deal. You and you know? feel like egos maybe killed the sport somewhat. Well, I think it still does a little bit. I yeah. always laugh and I always tease with with Gary is that people are like my sponsors. I'm like, do they pay you? <laughs> do they pay your rent? Because in the old days, yeah. our sponsors would pay us. Yeah. I used to get paid. Yeah, you know, and it's like. Well, no, I get free, and they got their they got their jackets on and whatever, and they do their deal. But to me, it's like I have a, a lot of respect for guys that are quiet and humble and move forward, and then I have a lot of respect for guys that fish freshwater bass because the freshwater bass thing's way more competitive. It's way harder to catch bass when they're off, you know, versus what we do a lot of times, and. um I just think everybody should just, you know, sit back and look and listen and learn. And uh, I think that makes it a lot more beneficial for you, but mm-hmm. it also helps promote the sport. Definitely. Yeah, and, I, and you were just talking about new things. Yeah, I mean, I was the first one along. I look at everything. And I look at everything right off the bat. And when, when Hubs came out, they were like. And that's they, what I kind of respect you having your own opinion about. Yeah. Because some people might just uh, hate on it because they say he's an asshole or something like that. Which, yeah. But you kind of like, look, I'm taking it as like, let me try them out. If they fucking work, they work. Yeah. And that's cool. I appreciate that. I like, want to catch you know, fish. Yeah. That's what I want to do. And yeah. and for a year, I wouldn't use them. I was like, no <laughs> way. I'm not using them. I'm what, not using does them. Does Gary use them? No, I don't. <laughs> he says that, but I'm sure that he's got one in his pucker hole sometimes. <laughs> Um, for the uh, ultra heavy weight two bait, really, I do. Does it sit on your? Because it doesn't smell like garlic, and it, <laughs> but it smells like shit when you're done, right? <laughs> um, so all I'm saying is, is there's a lot of new things that come out on the market, and to get uh, to get a jump ahead or get an advantage, you got to look at everything. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's one bait. Hubs, I've never seen a bait really work so well in. But it's not going to work like throwing it in the rocks and Gary's baits, his weedless, yeah. you, you know, his regular baits, all that stuff. That's why you have warheads is to fish straight, right? Yep. But if you're fishing up and down, those are the hardest baits to beat in my in in my yeah. opinion. And I just take time and I watch and and we have baits like I work for this new company, um, Pitbull, and we have baits called Killer Jigs, and the Killer Jigs work just the same way. But a lot of it comes down. To understanding the technique in which you're using the lure. Mm-hmm. Because techniques can be brutally, you know, just kick rear end. And it's not all about the lure. <laughs> yeah. It's it's reaction. People don't understand reaction baits. So reaction is, what does that mean? Uh, the fish looks at it, I slap you and you punch me. That's a reaction, <laughs> right? That's what it's all about. So it's the same way with fish. You put something in front of the face, you're going to yeah. mow it. And yeah. They do it. Definitely, definitely. That's a super cool outlook, you know, like yeah. uh, on everything. Since you've seen it, a lot of it, you know. Yeah, and I'm telling you, from marlin fishing, if you want to see a group of guys in the old days, and I think it's relaxed a lot now, but guys were so competitive and they were so gnarly in the marlin tournaments that it was like they would call each other out and stuff, and there was people disliking people without even talking to them just because they caught a few more fish than someone else. How many uh, fist fight have you seen at the dock? Not none from marlin fishing. I've I mean, seen, just period. I mean, I'm, I'm I've I, seen a few. I've seen a few, and a <laughs> lot of them come from. You know, the problem is you don't see as many as you used to because you hit me and I'll see you, right? Yeah. And that doesn't happen. The old days, seventies, you hit me, we're throwing down. <laughs> yeah. You know, because no one's getting sued. It's changed a lot. Yeah, but the essence of fishing is. You know, the essence of fishing is being one with nature in a sense, right? And there's a lot of things that make that happen. But the other thing, it's it's just because you catch a whole bunch of fish or we catch you one fish. How many, Gary, how many people know they're one fish stars? Oh, right? <laughs> so many. And, and then we just call them starfish. <laughs> so it's like, it's just like you watch that stuff and it's cool. Yeah. It's cool to me, you know, but it's like there's a lot more to life than that because there's so much to learn and so much to do. Yeah. I, right now, I'm, I've been on this thing where um, I spend a lot of time um, rock fishing and fishing for yellows and doing stuff like that in places that are sort of like off the beaten track. 
and I've been doing that for probably 14 or 15 months since it was the shallow rock fishing. Oh, uh, yeah. Like yeah. And you had pictures, super cool pictures. Yeah, it's super fun, and- but it's like I take my daughter, and that's about it. And everybody goes, you fish by yourself. You know, I try to get Gary, but he's too busy. He's at porn convention and shit. You know what I'm <laughs> Fuck, Gary lives like a mile away. He won't even fish with me, you know? Yeah. Fuck, dude. Are you guys in different gangs or what? Yeah, yeah. apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not Orange County enough for him. Oh, uh, no. He's yeah. total Orange County, dude. <laughs> no, but what you're doing here I think is really cool because you get, give us a, a platform to voice the honest truth. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's people that write and they write and they write in their words. You spit out words and they're writing in their words. And I'm like, dude, that's not what I said. Yeah, I fucking bet, man. I I'm, I'm sure it happens. You know? Yeah, it's a uh, well. I've like I told Justin, I told people, what do you think? How do you think of this? I listen to podcasts when I work all day. Uh, I listen to Joe Rogan, fucking all the other. Podcasts. That's awesome. And I'm like, there's no fishing. Like there was one, the world's greatest fishing podcast out of San Diego. Those dudes, right, no, and no. I listened to them, and they were cool. I liked them. That was John Grabowski, and those, yeah, that was Johnny O. But the thing I didn't like about a lot of the podcasts is I don't want to hear about their sponsors. Yeah, no, but that's not what it should you be know? about. And I think um, it's weird because I worked for Accurate for so long, and I got really into writing um, blogs, and I wrote all sorts of blogs. But my blogs were all based on how can I help you. It wasn't about you know, sure, there's going to be an Accurate real in there or there'll be whatever but i was always honest and yeah. the guys from accurate always let me be honest and i think that's the most important thing you could do when you're trying to promote the sport as a total it's just like oh, this size real works that size real works Great. Yeah. whatever you can afford whatever you believe in let's do it you know but you know just go out there and it was funny with this bluefin tuna fishing thing is that there's a certain amount of people that think it's never going to go away. What's 10-year cycles, what the scientists are telling us? Yeah. Well, how many years are we into it? Five years now, probably? Because I think five years yeah. ago, I was catching them down below in the... Five, yeah. yeah. I was catching them below the border, you know, and having yeah. a good time doing that. No one was doing it. But point is, is everything changes. So if you're more diverse in your fishing habits... And that's one thing. I grew up with Stotesbury. We'd go trout fishing, bass fishing, yellowtail fishing, marlin fishing. You know, hopefully we'd catch a swordfish, tuna fishing, whatever it was, we'd do it. Yeah. And it just gives you what happens is the only thing that changes is the size of the tackle. And people don't understand that. Well, it's got to be. Now, there's like five factors, you know, and there's lunar phases, there's structure, there's water temp, there's bait, mm-hmm. and there's current. And there's current lakes. And people don't even know it. And I'm like, I was like, dude, there's current. It's inflow and outflow. It, yeah. But there's five basic things in fishing. And all the things, the only thing that changes is the size of the tackle and where you're fishing. Do you think it helps to be open to do different types of fishing? I think it helps your other fishing. Yeah. Because you know what's really weird is I find myself right now like. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Super attentive to what's around me. And it's I've always been like that. Yeah. Like, People are like, so what do you think would be your, your best feature that you do in fishing? And mine is I can see in my head, not with my eyes, I can see in my head what's underneath the water. Yeah. I can look at a meter and see the meter and go, okay, I got it. And then I could see the fish and I could see how the fish are acclimating or something. The meter is my vision, but in my head, 
it turns everything around and makes things happen. And I fish with people sometimes, and they go, how did you know that? And I go, the wind's blowing out of this direction, the the current's going that direction, yeah. and the fish are on this. So if we do this right, and it's, sometimes it's a wind sock, which is, you know, you throw something in and slows down your drift rate or whatever it is. But I'm telling you what I, I – we haven't talked about it on this one. But we just did a thing with Jimmy Decker and those guys too. Mm-hmm. Being prepared, prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Know what you can encounter and make sure that you're prepared to encounter whatever you're going to do. And that's yeah, no different than, hey, we're going to go marlin fishing. Okay, let's go marlin fishing. We got a couple marlin casters. What else we got? We got an elephant elephant gun. We got the swordfish caster. Yeah. Right? So yeah. if you're not prepared for a swordfish, you're going to have a shit time catching one. Be prepared for it. If you're going to go fish for, if you know you're going to a spot, and there's a possibility of catching a 10-pound calico, it's different tackle than you're going to use in the kelp fishing yeah, for two-pounders, exactly. right? Yeah. Just be prepared. Make sure you don't have to have 20 rods, but you could have four or five good ones that you're ready to do business with. Do you usually bring four or five with you when you go fishing? Oh, dude, I have more. These guys <laughs> laugh. I have like probably I, I am probably three to five usually. No, I have eight rods, huh, Gary? <laughs> oh, I mean, this guy helped me out this year. I went to go try the big bluefin thing, and yeah. I went to his house to you know I don't have that big gear. Yeah. So Ben let me borrow some stuff, and it was like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> overload. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this guy's prepared, man. You know, That's he, cool, he has it all. Uh, no, yeah. you got to have the stuff, and the stuff has to work. Yeah. Oh, the, this reel doesn't need maintenance. Well, does your car need maintenance, bro? <laughs> Fuck, do you need yeah. to go through and change the oil? Well, you <laughs> got to do the same thing with your reels. Yeah. So, to me, a lot of times I look at I look at all different things. One of the things that I always thought was crazy is I've been around reels. I love Shimano. I love Daiwa. And then when I got a hold of Accurate and they had that twin drag, it was like a step up because you could really you could really subdue big fish. Yeah. So. To me, you have to find things that are going to help you do your job better. Mm-hmm. Then that point, with a big bluefin, I want a twin drag reel. If I'm catching yellowtail, I don't, I don't care. If I'm catching a fish under 100 pounds, whatever. But it's like looking for the, the tackle, looking for the techniques that help you do a better job doing whatever you set to do. Yeah, makes it's, sense. It's, it's super important. Definitely, definitely. Let's talk about your uh, – so we talked about it earlier, PB Calico. <clears throat> on the one with Jimmy. You guys will hear that. It's a bonus one with all these knuckleheads talking about fishing together. Great one. You guys will love it, I'm sure, everyone. Uh, but let's talk about you and your uh, PB Calico and kind of explain, uh, break it down, the whole thing, because it's like a... Yeah, okay. Nice so one. so to me, just remember, my, my Calico Bass, personal bass, came from um, no pressure. So when I started fishing... There was not a whole bunch of people going through and fishing the coastal stuff. There was just me and a couple other guys. So what I would look for is long, I would look for long finger ridges along the beach that would drop off into like 20 feet of water. And a lot of the fish that I caught, calico bass are really, um, the ones on the beach in the stones, they eat, they eat lobster, they eat crabs, they will eat bait if they can get their hand their, their lips on the bait, but... A lot of the time when you're fishing for stuff like that, you want to fish in really like low light conditions. So you're fishing during the morning, you're fishing in the evening. And a lot of that stuff too is a big bait will catch a big fish. You don't want to fish three inch bait for a 10 pounder. He ain't going to eat it most of the time. But, you know, elephants do eat peanuts. But at that point, it's not one of the deals that we were always (laughs) focused on. So um, I would say that that fish, the biggest fish that ever caught, was low light conditions. It was probably caught during the summer months at like seven o'clock in the evening, and it was on a nine-inch bait. And it was on the cover. The thing that was classic is Rich Holland is the lucky horseshoe for me. Every single fish I caught over ten pounds, except for maybe one. Rich Holland put on the cover of Western Outdoor News. Wow! Do you save all those covers? Oh yeah, they're around. <laughs> yeah, are they they're up around. on the wall? No, no, my wife doesn't let me do stuff like that. She hates me. <laughs> so, but I had like 11-3, a 10-10, one that was mid-10s, you know. And, you know, when you start talking about fish like that, those are those are hard fish to come by now. But at that point, they weren't. I mean, I, I caught – I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not lying. I caught hundreds of eight-pounders for years when there was no one else fishing them. 
because, on the yeah, beach, there yeah. was no pressure. Yeah. They were everywhere. Yeah. You catch them in the kelp, you catch them on the stone, you catch them wherever you wanted. I mean, even eight pounders at the islands these days are they're rare. I mean, I didn't catch one this season. You know, I caught a handful of sixes and sevens, yeah. but yeah. I haven't caught an eight pounder in a couple of years. You but know? you know what? I haven't caught an eight pounder probably in three or four years, right? And just like you say, they're super rare. But then I was just like, oh my God, another one, you know, whatever. And that I, I mean, really, we were into weighing fish, so we weighed all our fish on Chatillion scales because it started with the bass fishing. You don't say it unless you weigh it, <laughs> right? So if I, you, like, if, I like that. If you're going and don't claim it if you tag teamed it. Yeah. No, geez, don't even go there. <laughs> Why even start that? I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, gang, gang banging on fish doesn't mean, you know, that's whatever. Gary Reyes did that, not Ben Secret. <laughs> but um, I think it's really important, like, if you're going to take on uh, a goal – Finish your goal. Yeah. You know, I've had to go from womb to tomb on some big things. And, you know, it's, it's pretty gnarly where, oh, I'm tired. Here, let me hand that to you. It's That doesn't happen with calicos, but it happens with a lot of other stuff. So, I bet. I bet. You know, it is. But with the calicos, back to what we're calling with the PB, it's like you're talking a musky rod. You're talking 17-pound maxima and a, a fish trap 8-inch lure. And that's what we were doing back then with a 1.5-ounce lead. And what you're doing is you let it sink to the bottom, and you guess how many lures you lose? More than you can count. I bet, man. Yeah. But you, every once in a while, if you get one bite, you know, and you got everything goes right for you, you catch it. Yeah. Well, you, you, know, you know what they say if you don't, you know, if you're not losing them, you're not in the right spot. That's right. And now with war baits, I mean, war baits has helped out a lot of people with the heads that he's making. Yeah. But it's funny, it's like people go, God. And I'm like, no, dude, that's been around for a long time. He figured out a way to make a new bait. With an existing, you know, an existing idea, idea yeah. that works great. Yeah. And that's the same thing with hubs. Hubs, before hubs, there was another, there was crappie johns way yeah. before anybody. Uh, so he just, talks about that too on it too. There's a circle of life. And I always laugh because people go, well, this or that. Like last year, it was everybody was doing the um, dead flyers. But guys were catching them on the, the yummies. You know why they were catching on dead flyers? Because they weren't flying the yummy. So yeah. I guess the point is, is that there's a circle in fishing, and just remember, at any time in that circle, anything you've done prior will work. It's been ha- it's happened before, I'm sure. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and and all we're doing is living that over yeah. and over, year after year, with Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's super cool too. You got your daughters fishing. Um, that's one thing I like to talk about is family trying to get the kids yeah. to fish. Any tips you have on getting the kids to fish? With you because you know they get older. Like my son's fourteen. Uh, now it's time for girls. If and they get seasick, don't take them fresh or don't take them saltwater fishing. Just take them fresh. Take water fresh fishing. So mm-hmm. I got seasick as hell when I was young. Mm-hmm. My dad would never take me on the boat for a while until I got to be twelve years old, and then I started going on the boat. Uh-huh. My daughters both got seasick. Now they don't get seasick, and they're they're like they're totally into it. Unfortunately, with my son, because he was a boy, I pressed it on him, pressed it on him. And I had a, a grading, and he slept all the time. He missed a lot of stuff. But yeah. the girls now, my my youngest daughter, she's coming home from New York uh, next week. And the first thing out of her mouth, you can take me fishing every day? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you bet it. Yeah, we're out. So the point is, is I think that's a great thing that you're talking about is, is to be able to, to share an experience like that with your kids, you're passing on a passion, right? Yeah. Fishing is a passion for me. Mm-hmm. I love to fish. So people are like, ah, oh, you do it to get up. No, I, I would do it. I would do it no matter what just to be on the water. And exactly. if I'm not catching anything, I don't care as long as I get to do go through the motion. Have fun. You know, it's but fun and too. it's not about not catching, though. Let me make that clear. <laughs> do your homework and you'll catch. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and that's that's what yeah. Same thing. Me and Justin. Justin goes probably more with his kids than I do. Yeah, yeah. That's all the fishing I can really do. <laughs> yeah, he's got the both kids of come. his kids on his yeah. hands. No, so. but you know what? I had um, I had last year. When did I tear my shoulder? A couple years ago. Two years ago. I think. Yeah, two years ago. I tore my shoulder up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I had surgery on it, and the following year, the first trip that the doctor gave me okay was in May. I was fishing with Sean, my buddy Sean Canova. Mm-hmm. 
And we had a, a huge fish blast out of the water. And my wife was on the boat, and I told her, you got to keep your eye on that, because that's what, I've been doing this for a long time. You watch the bird, and when the bite happens, the bite's better than the catching the fish. Yeah. And I saw a fish blow out of the water. It was over three, and he was kicking his tail in the air, and he landed on it, and the bite was amazing. We <laughs> lost the fish, but the bite was incredible, and it make was that, funny. That's a good point to you make. Know? You know, like most of the time, that bite, I might have gone and lost a couple of fish, but... Like I went with Jeff, and I talk, I think I talked about this before, but I've never fished Gary's baits. I'm not sure how to use them, so Jeff Leeson's like, "Let me show you. You get your rod, burn the shit out of them." I'm like, "You sure?" Yeah. I'm like, "Like a frog kind?" He's like, "Yeah, like a frog, but you're burning them." I'm like, "All right." So I'm like, oh, "This is fucking. Is this really gonna work?" Then bam, I see a big fucking fish hit that motherfucker in the air, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" You know, yeah, like yeah. it's and, and it's like I learned something, and that I didn't catch shit that day. But I got bit like five or six times, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, yeah. man. That's good enough for that's, me, man. That's the you know? passion of the fish, bro. Yeah. And yeah. people are like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, it's an interaction. Like if, And I, I, this, is a bad, this is a bad example. But if someone, <laughs> like if you're – I know that Reyes digs it too. But if someone smacks you really hard to get the whole thing rolling, you're like, oh, yeah, here we go, right? <laughs> but that's the same thing with fishing. It's just the fishing is a passion to – enjoy and understand it's yeah. not something to sit there and think about it's just let your inner person grab a hold of it and and do it and i i i just watch a lot of guys and they have the wrong idea of what it is but if you ever just be quiet and you want to know something that's really cool fish deep water and close your eyes and just fish and see it in your head and it's hard to get people to understand what you're talking about but it's like you can feel what you're hitting, how to lift your rod, what speed to go at. If you can wire that, you can wire anything. It's really a good time. That's awesome. And does your wife like to fish too? My wife, I met her on the Royal Polaris, and I met her, uh, God, 20, 28, 29 wow. years ago on the Royal Polaris. I was really good friends with Rollo Hine, who's, you know, I guess they have kids, friends of Rollo now. Yeah. And, oh, that's right. You know, so they do all that. But he was like one of my best bros for a long time. And back then, all the deckhands on the Royal is what, you know, Frank Lepresti had um, Timmy and he had Brian and he oh, had, I mean, all you're talking about all the skippers today, right? So they were all deckhands when I was fishing in the day, long range fishing. Wow. So, um, no, she really liked to fish. She fished all over the world with me a couple of years, caught everything that swims. That's awesome, dude. And it was, it, was, it was a fun time. But I think what was really tough is that I never stopped. I traveled around the world and fished as much as I could, and I had kids. So for you fathers out there that think fishing is more important than your kids, it's not. And I can attest and tell you to that because I did it and. I remember, I'll never forget, when I was talking to my oldest, and she was, you know, four years old, and I was in Australia. And I fished Australia pretty much every year, and she was just, like, saying that song to me, one, two, three, four, five, once we oh, caught a fish alive, fuck. six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then I let him go again. Why'd you let him go? Because he fit my fingers. But as he bit my fingers, so I'll never forget that. And I cried, and I cried oh, like I a bet, little baby. Dude. And then what I tried to do is when my son was born, I tried to cut back on the fishing because I was fishing like 100 to 150 days a year all over the place. Is your son the youngest? He's the youngest. He's okay. 21 now. Okay. And, and so uh, the point is, is, is instead of being like me, which I was selfish and wanted to do it myself, take your kids and, uh, uh, you know, take the time to get your kids. Like Greg Stotesbury did a real good job of that because he would start his kids bass fishing, trout fishing, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he had a really – his son, Zane, unfortunately passed a few years back. But he was one of the coolest people I know. He was in the water surfing. He was diving. You know, whatever that's it sick, is. Yeah. Just take just take the time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Like when, when my son was born, we were going to go on tour. <clears throat> I had to quit playing music. Because I'm like, do I stay home and raise a kid or do I play music? And and uh, I'm glad I chose, you know, to uh, stay home, of course. But uh, it, it's true to make it. Sometimes you got to make a choice. You yeah, know, you got to make something. sacrifices. And uh, well, I still played in bands after that. Uh, and yeah, some of those albums I recorded when he was born after. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like a good point is to make sure to take your kids. Like I take it for granted still. Like I don't take them as much as I should because I'll go. 
oh yeah, I want to get out and fucking catch fish. And I know it's going to be a bitch to take my eight-year-old or seven-year-old fishing. And you know it's going to be a hassle. So I don't. But sometimes I go, you know what? Fucking this will change. Yeah. No, this will yeah. make them, you and, know? And that's when you just make it a day on the water. You know, like when I take my son fishing, I know I'm not going to fish. Exactly. I might get a cast or two, and yeah. you know. But I just like running the boat, being out there, you know, watching him cast, you know, helping him out. True. I just chill, you know. And uh, it, I think it makes them less stressed out, you know. And. Cause like my son would always be watching me, like trying to catch, like like cast, like me, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it makes it less stressful. On yeah, him if you just definitely. chill. You know, he used to get all bent out of shape if you backlashed or whatever. And I'd be like, dude, don't worry about uh, it, man. Who cares? Here's yeah. another rod, dude. That's kind of teach how to pick it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's like a, a cool thing to uh, talk about. It's like the family kid thing. Like, yeah. The other thing with con- the cons- conservation thing is. Is like I saw that movie The Bear, and I'm probably talking way before you guys. Maybe one of you guys saw it, but the very end of the movie says the thrill is not to kill but let live. That's what we do with calico bass fishing, but we know you know we can we can do it with a lot of other stuff. You know, don't keep those little rat yellowtails. Don't keep things that no. are you know just just remember it's replenishable. Everything's in, and I'm not on top of a soapbox. I'm telling you as an angler yeah. that hey, if you put Your back, opinion. if yeah. you put back, you get stuff out. And yeah. with the bluefin tuna thing a couple of years ago, man, I've seen so many of those things die. So what I was doing is I'd catch one good one and I'd you know clip everything up and split, you know. And a lot of the guys going ah, they're biting, and you're just I'm like nah, that's just you can set your own limits with yourself, and by good doing point, it, by point. by doing <laughs> it, you're just. You're perpetuating the conservation of what we do. You're perpetuating. What are we perpetuating? Our passion. Because how stoked are you when you hook something and you can catch it? And if we don't do it, then the government does it and we're screwed in a big way. So did you fish uh, Laguna before they closed it? Oh, dude, I fished. So my question is, is they closed it when I was heavy into surf fishing. Yeah, and I'd fish. So imagine when you were heavy into surf fishing. I fished it probably fifteen years before you fished it. So right when I was heavy, they Uh, closed. uh, I used to go to Crescent Bay a lot. Yeah, and and, then we we try to catch like a lot of halibut and stuff. But yeah, uh, was it a really good area before? I was. There was such good spots. Really, there was spot. You know, Main Beach had some spots, but there was a place called Cycle Wall. I had flag. I mean, I have twenty <laughs> spots in there that no one knows about that I know about. You yeah. know, and and the core group of it, the fish. Where'd you go? Oh, that's the cool thing too. And I see Gary do it with his bros. And I don't have. I'm not part of a tight knit group of guys. I'm more of like a solo warrior. I'm on my own a lot of times because I choose to do that. I don't want to. I don't. I'm and it's not like I'm antisocial. I'm social, but yeah, that's just. I enjoy a lot of times to fish by myself, but. If you have a group of people that you fish with or around, and not too many, that's why I'm, I, it's not like, don't post it. Call your bro yeah, and go, Gary, hey. What the fuck, Gary, man? Yeah. Stop posting shit. Call what your bro fuck? up and just say, hey, you know, maybe I went through here and, and wang it. No, Gary's doing it because it's the passion no, of all those guys. Around, he knows that. You know, oh, he yeah. hangs <laughs> out with a bunch of those guys and they're all alternative dudes, and that's cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Especially that Mike Wow. Wow, Mike Welling. Yeah, I love you, Mike. Yeah, we had. I wish we could release that podcast. It was a fun one, super fun. But uh, it got really bad. No, I I fucked up. I uh, uh, Matt Moyer, sorry, bro. I fucking lost your fucking audio track. Oh, yeah, I called him and told him. I tried to fix it, didn't work. So we're gonna redo it. He's but a great it, dude. Oh god, he's so fucking cool, man. Like yeah. uh, I've gone back and forth them texting, you know, and yeah. super cool. All of them guys, Scott, super yeah. fucking cool. Mike, super cool. Yeah. I might release something. Uh, are any of those guys married, Gary? I don't think they are. Yeah, they are. Oh, really? Oh. I thought they all smelled each other's feet. So <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Wow. God. laughs> But yeah, that's a that's fucking a super cool information you're giving out. Um, your tackle shops. You have a couple of tackle shops you like to use. Yeah, it could be multiple. The tack- one, yeah, I just like to promote the one. Some locals. The, the one closest to me is Hogan's, and uh, Breck and Stephanie do a great job of getting me what I need for especially the big game stuff. Then um, Eric at the Longfin is 
I took him crawdad fishing for the first time, you know, when he was a kid. So he has a, just an awesome way of doing things. And then I got to tell you, one of my favorite people is Mark Hiragashi. I mean, he's like my best bro. That's and awesome. that you that's who was promoting my <laughs> yeah. boat when you were in there. But, yeah. I mean, Mark Hiragashi is very humble, but he is he will whoop your ass with the rod in his hand. And that's – if you want to talk about learning – He's one of those guys that you can learn from. Definitely. I so if you it. get an opportunity to fish with someone good, it's always really good to sit back and watch, you know? And you got Joe in there too, right? Yeah, Joe's the best. He's <laughs> absolutely the best. He's super, helping. super nice dude. Like a, another yeah. nice fucking fishing guy like that I got to hang out with. And yeah. A super cool guy. <clears throat> And uh, so we, we really appreciate having you on, Ben. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, I appreciate it. It's been a it. super fun time. Uh, uh, lots of knowledge you gave out, you know, uh, tips for people, you know. Yeah. Um, anything you want to plug? You know, if you can, help me out. If you see me putting something up for Pitbull, share it for me. Same thing with iRods. Those are the two companies. I'm also doing stash um, bags. But most of all, the thing I really want to plug is to make sure that you go fishing, have fun. It's not a war. Go out there and have a good time and take your kids fishing. Don't mess up like I did. Take your kids fishing, open the door for them, and check it out. Awesome, and again, bro. you know what? You're just you're only as good as you are. So if your mind tells you that you're better, you better recheck. <laughs> That's right. such a uh, super positive message, man. And uh, uh, I rods. And I want to say one thing too is before I bought all of my cousin rods, I looked at I rods first, and I thought, man, I should buy. I fucking went and bought. I think I have eight uh, cousin rods. Oh, they're great rods. Great rods, but they went out of business. Yeah, I got so, an eye rod guy uh, over there. <laughs> so I, well, that's when he told me, "What do you?" I'm like, "What do you fish?" Because I'm still buying gear. So he's like, "Eye rod," and I'm like, "Fuck, I was gonna buy that." And now I'm like, now, "If I, you know, I mean, I, I, I think I already told you, I man, the, the eye rods, man, they're they're stout rods, and they're a good cost. Do. Good yeah. cost. That's the price, big thing. Price is, yeah. points good. Yeah. Um, I'm tough on my stuff. Uh-huh. I've had him three seasons already. Man. What was that? That was that. Um, Fred you were Hall. yeah, you were working at Fred Hall. Fred and you're Hall, like, when dude. they first came out of the Calm on, you're like, you yeah, gotta fill this thing, dude. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they're stout, dude. I mean, three solid seasons of kicking their asses, you know. Oh, and he's yellowtail calico. Yeah, definitely, dude. So, and then the other thing I would like to say is thanks for doing this because you know what takes people time, and you know. If, there's an opportunity i'll come on again and we'll talk about something different maybe you we bet, could talk man. about techniques or something else but i think right now in my life it's the passing on if i could pass it on and i enjoy hanging out with my bros you guys are my there bros i like yeah. seeing gary so nothing like having a couple beers and hanging out with your friends yeah i know it's all good so whatever if you guys have anything for me you can hit me up at benfish um 45 at gmail.com and uh i just wish Instagram, everybody what's the your best. Instagram page? A Ben Seacrest. There you go. Check that out. He has some cool pics. And I'm sure he could direct message you and be like, hey, bro, yeah, yeah. I got a question. People do it all the time. Yeah. No worries. And uh, thanks for coming on, dude. And uh, you're always a legend, bro. Nah. <laughs> oh, hey. Ah. Living legend. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys.